right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly podcast about horror movies and three idiots talking about those movies. Uh, my name is Billy Schultz, and I am joined once again by my two good friends, who are idiots, but I love them a lot, uh, Luke Mason and Alex Wan. Hello, how are you today? Hello. <laughs> I think there's a Bollywood movie called Three Idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. And really? Yeah, I think there were... I, I do believe there were three three characters in that movie as well. Okay. The Three Stooges? Well, that's different because they were in black and white. The Three Amigos? I don't know if you're just committing to this bit now or if... This, uh... is, this <laughs> is a bit. This is a real movie. The Three Musketeers? Well, that's... Uh... Spoiler, there's four of them. Yeah. yeah. And then... Because it was like, I'm here too. And they're like, what are you doing? We have a whole thing. Us three are a team. Yes. Athos, Porthos... D'Artagnan. Aramis and D'Artagnan. You said Aramis? Oh. I always said Aramis. Aramis? In my head. I'm definitely not pronouncing these correctly because I think they're French names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're ESL. That's true. Yeah. Oh, cutting that. <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know, ESL stands for Extremely Singular. You could have, you had every opportunity to say Extremely Sexy Learner. And oh! You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Can we rewind? Does any of this have to do with the fact of us being idiots? <laughs> I don't know. I think, Your Honor, the evidence is in the record. I um, rest my case. Anyway, we are here. We're back again to talk about another movie of horror fare. And this week, we have picked the movie The Babadook, movie from more recent times. And I have not seen this movie. Alex, have you seen this movie? I've not seen it. I've not heard about it. I did not know it existed until we decided to watch this movie. And when you said The Babadook... I immediately thought about Marmaduke. Ah, the comic, a Marmaduke, yeah, like, like a big the big dog. dog yeah. Mm. Well, I don't think they're related, but no that's, spoilers. Like, word, word association. That's where my mind went. Yeah, you're. Don't they, they spell up. their last names different? Oh, yeah. Okay, and pronounce them different. Or I guess not. Must be French. What about Luke? Have you have you have you seen this movie? I have not. I know like a relatively large amount about it just mm-hmm. from YouTube and the internet because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. did kind of take the horror genre by storm when it came out, but mm-hmm. I have not seen it. So I'm excited. Yeah. So we're going into this one relatively blind. I know, again, this kind of blew up on the, you know, culturally in meme culture in the last few years. And as a little bit of a, a teaser for the second half of the, of the podcast, I actually did some research about oh, the Babadook wow. before watching it and uh you know what you're just gonna have to listen to the whole podcast to find that out i don't know if there's anybody out there that just listens to the first like seven minutes and then it's like stops at the trailer and is like that's enough the I don't part need where we anymore. don't know what's going yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> but if you're out there uh maybe we can entice you to stay on for the second half yeah i bet i bet good the second pitch, half really? would be real good <laughs> yeah uh, yeah tell well, you what i'll stick around if you do okay cool but yeah i i here's what i know about the babadook going into it um it's supposed to be super scary it was made in 2014 it is australian and for some reason the babadook became a gay icon in 2017 so oh okay there's gonna be lots of that oh i think i can even though i haven't seen it i i think i know why yeah um yeah. and we will we will get into it so it's kind of fitting that uh we and are... unlike all the other mm-hmm. horror movies it has a little kid that it oh Oops, wait, <laughs> hang on. Um, but it's it's kind of fitting that we are recording this at the time of recording. It is the middle of Pride Month, and, you know, there's a lot going on, but woo, so gay pride. Um, it's good to be me. Woo! Um, Although chances are 
it won't be Pride Month when you are listening. That's okay. To you this. can be proud all year round. All year round. Doesn't you mean have Pride to be just year. in June. Yeah, Pride Millennia. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm taking it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when it's had, why when it's thirty twenty, <laughs> we lose our pride. Yes. Why why wait for next year when you could do this year? No, don't. <laughs> We're not doing that. We're not. No. Oh, do you mean two year? <laughs> uh, you can't reference stuff we talk about off air because oh. it doesn't make any sense in context of the podcast. I contend there's very little that we make sense in context either. So well, we whatever. Either leave it at that or we could give context. I'd rather not give no, context. No, no, we're not. This is for sure getting cut. I don't know. If I haven't cut any of the parts I said that are getting cut throughout the run of this so, show you know, so far, then there's a podcast I like that has a its own internet. Like the fans of it have started a no context, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I so love I can't, that. I can't wait for someone to start a no context, nothing to fear, where it's just a <laughs> clip of one of us saying something. Ooh, watch out. <laughs> that could go very funny or very bad. Well, um, it's a fine line. It's a very fine line. But anyway, yeah, I don't, that's, that's what I know. Alex, you know nothing. You thought it was about a big cartoon dog. Yeah, that's, so you know officially four <laughs> more things than I do about this movie. Woohoo. I counted. So, so much for being the newbie. I um, The things I know about this movie, I feel like will be much more interesting to talk about next session, like after we watch the movie, mm-hmm. um, just to see them happen. Plus, they'd be kind of spoilers for Alex, too, and you as well. But I am looking forward to, to seeing the themes of the movie, because yeah. I think that they're definitely... One of the reasons this movie was um, like artistically panned after its release was that it's actually much, it, it's said to be much more than a horror movie or just a gratuitous horror movie. Like there's deeper you, themes to it. When you say pan, do you mean like it was a good thing or a bad thing? The way that every time I've heard yeah. that expression, universally panned means universally uh, acclaimed. Okay. Really? Yeah. I've heard it. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard of the exact opposite. Like mm-hmm. I pan this. So like, eh, it's okay. not, not um, very good. The things Luke hears about this movie. Good. <laughs> Yeah, Luke. Luke <laughs> hears good things. We are we are not idiots, and we too have proven good. That. <laughs> why not? Why not one good? No, well, I mean one good, but you can be three, two good. Uh, honestly, I don't blame you if you do turn the podcast <laughs> off after this. But I hope you do stay and listen to the second half. Hopefully, we have some much some. Mm, I was gonna say much more interesting stuff to talk about after, but I don't want too much more. That. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> we will have stuff to talk about after we get back. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the Babadook. Uh, spoilers ahead. You know the drill by now. And uh, we'll see you in a minute. Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Babadook-duck-duck. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? He sees things as they are, that one. I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioral problems. This monster thing has got to stop, all right? It's just a book. It can't hurt you.
All children see monsters. Not like these. I want to report someone stalking me and my child. You can't get rid of the Peppa dog. You can bring me the boy. You can bring me the boy. Babadook. We're back. We watched the Babadook. We saw it. We've been there. We'll talk about it. Let's, yeah, let's get into it. But uh, shock horror, friends, we tried to find a synopsis on our favorite website, wikipedia.org. You'll let us down, Wikipedia. We had to go to our second favorite website. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this one. Tell me. It's the Internet Movie Database. You heard of that one, Luke? Imdib? Imdib, yeah. Luke, Alex, you heard of Imdib? I have now. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, here's a synopsis from IMDb. <laughs> a single mother and her child fall into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. Okay. Wow. That was a hell of a thing, wasn't it? There's a lot to talk about in the Babadook. Uh, preface for everyone. There's going to be spoilers about this movie and a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more questions than we have answers, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what's, uh, what are our initial thoughts coming out of it? I need, I need some time to digest it a little bit. So Alex, can you, uh, can you take it away? Sure. Yeah. Um, this is definitely something where I, th- I feel as we discuss this movie in the next however much time, I'm going to get more of an understanding of it. I, f- I, I definitely feel like we need to talk about it. Because there's there's definitely a lot of questions, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not a clear cut oh happy ending or whatever kind of, like yeah yeah it's 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 kind of left up to like an maybe kind of an ambiguous ending. Like I guess they are happy at the end, but we don't really know why. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think that the more the three of us talk about it with each other, the more I'm going to understand this. So that's kind of that's my first impressions. Um, in terms of the movie itself, yeah. Um, yeah, there were there were some pretty scary parts. Um, it you know it took your stereotypical, um, you know, creepy kid in a horror movie and cranked it up to like eleven, uh, a thousand. Yeah, this was <laughs> one of the creepiest kids I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, like I think the two leads, the mom and the son. Um, Samuel is the son. The mom's name is Amelia. Amelia. Yeah. Um, it was mostly just the two of them in the movie, like. There were other characters, but for the most part, yeah. For the most part, like in terms of acting, it was just the two of them interacting. Well, there was a Bubsy, yeah, well, the dog. There oh. was a Babadook. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. I yeah. think the two of them did a great job at making this crazy, crazy mother-son dynamic. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm still, I'm still left wondering. I got questions. I can't wait to ask more questions. And yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. We're gonna dig through it. All right, what about you, Luke? How did you find this is first viewing for you as well, for all of us, first viewing? 
Hmm. It was a good movie. Uh, I feel like it was insightful for a horror film because I actually think the Babadook is a metaphor for grief and depression. That's kind of yeah. what mm, the role it, the role it plays. And so I think viewing it through that lens makes a lot of sense because view, viewing it through the lens of like a supernatural entity doesn't really make any sense <laughs> at all. Like yep. there's hard to know what is happening if the Babadook is outside of Amelia's mind and has its own motivations. So I think viewing it as a metaphor for her own darknesses mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. sprouted from her losing her husband, which is a big plot point. <laughs> her husband dies on the day that her son is born. And I think that is kind of the motif of the film. So that was what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I, I definitely thought it was um, like a way more psychological horror movie, mm-hmm. like rather than a spook or a monster or a zombie or, you know, ghost alien demon or yeah. whatever whatever you have it was all it was all the very much like is this in her mind or is this really happening is this in the kid's mind or is this really happening is she making it up for attention is she delusional is she, you know there's just like all these ifs and what's and questions and i like your your um your your point about the babadook being a metaphor for depression and um you know, I, I teased at the the top of the episode that it's it was a metaphor for you know closeted uh, sexualities and is that because it was in a closet like uh, literally it I was think, hiding think, in a closet I think well I think the 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 same metaphors you talked about like repressing things oh, okay apply hmm. in broad strokes whether it's being in the closet because you're gay or trans or, or whatever, or if you have a lot of depression or you have a lot of grease, gr- grease, grief that you aren't processing. John Travolta always makes his way into our podcast. <laughs> no. Oh no. Um, yeah. If, yeah, yeah, if you yeah. have like some unprocessed mm, stuff, then right. it doesn't go away and you can't just ignore it. And mm. the more you ignore it, the louder it gets until it explodes. You're choking your son. You're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For example, <laughs> Think, it was um, wild. Yeah, yeah, just kind of delving into the Babadook as a monster itself, like based off of what she reads in the book, you kind of get the sense like it's a mysterious entity that will show up and it's going to when it shows up it's going to knock and it's going to say, "Hey, I'm here." And um what I got from it is, you know, like kind of what you said, the more you ignore it, the more it's going to torment you and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. do that. And we kind of saw that happen in the movie, right? Like, um, Oh, yeah. We explicitly saw that happen. Yeah. Um, sure. So Samuel, the son, he he's a he's just a weird kid. I immediately we'll from yeah. like minute <laughs> minute one, I get bad vibes from this kid. And like I, I work with kids in my like and, you know, so I've interacted with many, many different kids and like some some great kids, some a trickier to work with kids but you know all kids deep down they're they're just they're just kids and they're learning and this kid got he gave me some heebie-jeebies okay i i yeah, was, he was uh, a weird kid yeah he, he was just like definitely um there were times where you know when the when the mom yells at him it's like why can't you just be normal it's like yeah you <laughs> definitely tell him that um so the kid he's like fixated with and uh, with monsters and uh, um like Every night before he goes to bed, he has to like check under, like his mom has to check with him under the bed, check the closet, make sure there's no monsters. And he's always talking about like, I'll protect you from the monsters. 
basically crazy childhood imagination, but in a very dark, twisted way. Yeah, like not on the face of it. That's not something that's like wild. Like he's not the first six-year-old to be convinced there's something in the closet or something under the bed. Like we've all, you know, had that, but it, it rapidly descends way past you know childhood mm. fantasy and, and and imaginings into this like very visceral yeah i'm gonna crush tense, it said tense movie yeah yeah we we can talk about samuel a little bit later i don't know what's better if we do like a plot rundown of this one or we just do character sketches or what but it was yeah who boy <laughs> i don't even know what to say like i i it's it's got me reeling it's got me i'm bob shook yeah. <laughs> you Baba shook me all night long. Now we have to pay for that song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never heard any song called the Baba shook me all. Anyway, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was was a well-made movie. It was creepy. Uh, The sound was really good because they're in this old creaky house. I liked how they incrementally showed her starting to lose her mind. But I think what what it seems to me like is is what we're actually supposed to take away is that she was kind of losing her mind even before she was losing her mind yeah and that's why samuel was talking about the babadook before the babadook was in the story or like um, like when he was talking about generic monsters yeah generic monsters and then and then i think the name babadook is just kind of what is the name that he gives that side of his mom when it comes out Oh, wow. And it's fun as the audience to kind of get that incrementally and then not, and then like have the assumption that it's a creature feature or like some monster, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think this is a genre of a horror film I actually like a lot. It might even be my favorite where it's... Um, genre or this movie specifically? No, this, this movie in the genre of oh, okay. n- not so much like the cliche, it's all in your head, but... Uh, some of it's in your head or it's it's a different way to think about what's happening to these uh, people yeah. while they're going through it uh because i like i on like this movie makes no sense as a monster movie <laughs> it really doesn't it's like i can't i can't glean any sense of it of being outside of this kind of uh way of thinking about the mom's emotions around the passing of her husband and samuel's father and what that's done to her and i think that the movie did such a good job of showing that in the first act mm-hmm. the first act mm-hmm. did a great mm-hmm. job of showing all the little ways this mom's life is hell right now based on her feelings around what's going on in her life yeah and even even like beyond the explicitness of showing us her you know the words she says in the action she does like you get the sense that through the way that the film is constructed she's like not quite there like the color palette is so washed out in that movie it's all pastels mm, yeah it's all like very it almost looks like it's yeah like the the life has been drained out of it and like yeah she's alive and she's existing but it's like a empty existence she's barely surviving she's you know she's hasn't been sleeping and i really like the way they did the colors and the like the way the costumes worked like i thought that was just so fantastic to see and then like the lighting was all really harsh or really dark. Like it was all very, very stark, very loud, very loud. And there was a lot of like environmental music, uh, not music. I, I, music is not something that I would say is droning in this, in this movie at all. Just the soundscape though. Like, yeah, exactly. Droning. There's like all these insectoid buzzing noises and drones and is it static? And it's just, it, it really gets a snapshot of like 
this is her mind. Like she's not processing this grief and she is just like, just like walking around in a daze. And I really think again, like the first act showed us that. And like, you know, even, even though the very start where, you know, her son is building like a portable catapult to throw a cricket ball. She's just like, no, don't build those things. Those aren't safe. Like mm-hmm. she's not really reacting like you think. And like, it just, you get the point that her brain is just, it's just not there. And like, yeah, maybe he's uh, Samuel. The son has made, uh, you know, made the Babadook because this is when mom is like not here. And this is when she's like mad. And when she's mad, it's the Babadook. Yeah. She's quite detached too. Exactly. That's what you're yeah. kind of hinting yeah, yeah, at there, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. sure. She's kind of not attentive and not present for the things going on with Samuel, but she's still responsible. So she's physically there, but mentally it just seems like she's somewhere else. Yeah. Like she's always somewhere else. Like even at work, when we see her, she works in an old folks home or a retirement village or whatever it is. Um, and she's in the dementia ward and that's, I feel like maybe not an accident to have her being working in the dementia ward. Cause she's also not like all there. And you know, like she reacts to the mm. lady, you know, that's she brings, connection. she brings a lady, a cup of tea, and the lady's like, no, I didn't want milk in it. And she's just like, oh, oh okay, yeah. all right. Like, she's just like, okay. She's just like yeah. performing the duties. In as retrospect, her, she should right? know that. <laughs> or, yeah, or, <laughs> right. you know, she should have reacted a little bit better. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, oh, yeah, that's it's a, a lot. Point. There's a lot of good a lot of good stuff, and we are so underqualified to talk about this. I'll refer back to the top of the episode of Three Idiots Talk About a Movie. <laughs> so I don't know what I am qualified to talk about. <laughs> mid 2000s uh rock music <laughs> yeah well even then there'd be people who'd know more but sure <laughs> uh i think the filmmakers did a really good job at kind of making the viewer kind of flip-flop between is this real is this in her mind director C- jennifer kent Woo, yeah. shout out yeah because um i don't know about the two of you but for me i i was convinced this was a real thing you know but then you get the cricket scene coming out of the fridge mm-hmm. and then you later find out it's a hallucination. So now yeah. at that point, it's already like midway through the movie. So I don't know what's real, what's fake at that point anymore. Well, for for me, that point came when she was like watching the TV, like when she's watching those old movies and apparently all she has in her DVD collection are movies from before 1920, which like, <laughs> you know what? I respect that collection, but get some good movies. Well, also, um, but, uh, but, scary. but anyway, like, she's watching those movies and we have scenes of where like the, we see the Babadook in those movies. And it's just like, Oh, like this is maybe something that's in her mind. That's, that's all I want. Yeah. I also wanted to add like on top, like what you were talking about, like the set design and all that stuff earlier. I, my favorite prop in that, that movie was actually the TV. I think the way it like weaved in, like just cartoon flash for a second. You see the Babadook for a second. And then it goes to like a, something, a newscast, like a mom goes crazy, stabs her son gets yeah. shot by cops and gets pulled out. Well, yeah, with the TV, like I, I kind of noticed that all of the things she were watching were really sporadic, not really, con- there wasn't mm-hmm. much continuity in what she was watching. It was hard to follow. It was kind of like all of these, like, it, it was just like, wh- what are we seeing here? It would be hard to piece together a narrative Is in any of brain? that. And I think that's just kind of, yeah, like that's what we're supposed, like that's the symbolism there. I think of it's hard for her to find continuity in anything. But also just like without parsing even that level down, like if you go back up one level, it's like, yeah, when you're super depressed and not paying attention, you're just going to channel surf mm. and you're just going to yeah. like flip through and not watch anything and just like hit, you know, hit the channel up button 
every five seconds, regardless of what's on, like mechanically. Yeah. yeah so mm. one, one thing that, that really like I could relate to in this movie um, is the sleep deprivation that she went through. Um, mm. Like, Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the two of you, but like definitely in my university days, like there's nights that I would pull all nighters to like finish papers and all that. Right. And you know, like when they're, when you have papers due every single day for a week, you pull three straight all nighters. And I remember like, those times that have happened, like you're so delirious and you just, you have no semblance of time. You don't know what's happening. And you're kind of just like, like one for me, it was like one minute I'm sitting at home on my computer, typing up my paper and then I'm blinking and I'm sitting in class the next moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I really felt like I related to her cause definitely she was going through her own like sleep deprivation as well. She was telling the doctor, like, I can't sleep because you know my son is keeping me up and all that stuff and you know like with her wandering throughout like her job sleeping in sleeping we, we see her sleep in and yeah be late to work multiple times in this movie the three times we see the alarm clock she's like it's 7 a.m the first time mm-hmm. the next time we see it is past nine and then the it's like very last time it's 11 yeah so she's well, yeah, and yeah. from what i hear that is a pretty common symptom of depression yes yeah. is, is to just kind of lie around in your bed uh without feeling the kind of compunction or motivation and you're to not go do something and even though you're in bed and you're sleeping you're not getting proper rest right you're just mm-hmm. lying there for mm. you know yeah that's that's interesting but definitely like those those like watching her kind of mindlessly go on with her life while being sleep deprived i could definitely relate to that mm. in my own personal experiences when when you know the, those nights that i had to pull multiple all-nighters in a row and oh yeah working like a late okay, night job you had to you had or to, you put you yourself did. in a position where okay, you did it we're not gonna go back and list out okay is this list out alex's mistakes that he's made in life hour uh yep that's the new name of the podcast okay, so this is the weekly podcast where we just list alex's mistakes for okay so mistake number one no 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 we don't need to do that i get it though. yeah you I've can had, tell me off air I, yeah i've had those i've had those things in university not as much because i wasn't a very good student i didn't care mm. too much if stuff was due i i did tend to be the student who was like i have two weeks to write this paper lots of time one week later i've got a whole week to write this paper ages three days later i still have four days to write this paper <laughs> and then it would get down to like this paper is due tomorrow and you're like okay time to just like oh, hit fuck. my keyboard for an hour and 15 minutes until bullshit happens and then yeah. hand that in whatever it looks like um that's funny question seriously kids question if you really need to go to university it's not important for everyone <laughs> it's a cool experience it's a cool it's, experience like but if you really want to owe it. money to someone else for a long time. Oh boy, do it. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want debt <laughs> forever <laughs> that you can't claim any bankruptcy on? I don't know if that's in Canada. That might just I be the states. Declare but. bankruptcy. You don't declare it. You can't it's just easy. say it. I don't say it. I declared it. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Like I, that's I. I yes. And and the thing that I enjoyed in those sequences with the mom. That is also, I think, mirrored in the, the shows she was watching on TV is that as the audience, we're not totally sure um, how much time has lapsed in like the world of the movie from when we see her from one point of like being kind of out of it to when she gets back into it. And we're not sure what's been happening. We're like, So we don't know maybe has she been sleepwalking? Has she been doing stuff? Has what has Sam been doing? Like, what's Sam thinking about all this? So there's kind of like this: you're reintroduced into a scene, 
and you like you can tell something's different but you don't know what because we didn't get shown it mm-hmm. as, as as a watcher the mm. last third of the movie you're assuming it's all one night but yeah like you said it could have happened over but then then, then at the end they said like oh hey he hasn't been at school in two weeks and mm-hmm. like at the start, so i guess the movie only takes place over two weeks sure yeah but it's still yeah you don't know that reminds me of all the times we saw them eating something like it was never like she was making like a meal or something. And at first I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, she's just stressed. She's single mom. She's, you know, she's raising kid on her own. She's got a lot of just canned goods, but also every, everything she served seemed to be like what would be left in the cupboard. If you like, didn't go grocery shopping for a little while. Like we Mm. never saw them eating anything good. She was never making something that was like a healthy meal or anything. It was always like, cream corn or something and then at the very end she was like i got soy sauce and ketchup what kind of meal can i make right yeah here's ice cream and marshmallows or yeah. whipped cream and marshmallows and this is what we have and it's like so that made me think like oh you know is it maybe like they've gone days without eating because he does say like i'm hungry i haven't eaten i'm i'm really hungry like what do we have and so again is she depressed is she you know not you know paying attention because she's just losing time because of her depression or, or, or what? So, mm. Well, I, th- I, I yeah. think what's interesting about how with the Babadook going into her, if you will. I will. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like that's setting her up to the point of like grief, I guess, or depression that lashes out in anger. So yes. I, I don't know the stages of these kind of things, but whatever the Babadook manifest in her is, is the anger stage, right? Because mm. we don't really see her angry until the Babadook is inside of her. Yeah. And Ooh, that's when that's when she is ready to hurt. Well, she kills the dog and she's ready to hurt Sam. And it's like violently lashing out at, yeah. at, at what and, Sam says. And I, my interpretation of all of that was, okay, this is kind of the end game of if you don't take care of this in some way at some point in its sequencing in your life. So she's not mm. getting help for her depression or her grief. She's not talking about, she definitely feels alone, right? Like we see that she feels very lonely from, I guess it's her sister maybe, or her husband's sister, maybe some, yeah, some relative. Yeah. Some, yeah. Sam calls her auntie Claire. Uh, so it even could be a good friend, but like all of her peers, no one seems to talk to her. And so both a combination of not any like compassion from anyone in the, her community, except her neighbor a little bit. Her neighbor and her, the orderly guy. Who yeah. And the orderly was, guy. Like, yeah. Nice to her, but also like maybe. Had but your kid motive. is fucked. So yeah, <laughs> I don't he, want anything to do with this. Yeah. He was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's a, it's a, like, it's a thoughtfulness of like a community around a person who's hurting to actually try and maybe reach out more to that person, yeah. but also assign maybe to that person be like, well, we, you need something like you're, you're, it's, it's so hard to do it on your own. And if you don't do something, eventually you might get to the point, the Babadook point, right? Mm-hmm. Which is you're going to hurt someone. And in this movie, it's actually like hurting things physically. Too. I think I think um, yeah. another another thing that I thought of is um, the way that she's coping with her husband's death is like she she said I'm not bringing it up I haven't talked about it like no one Denial. brings it up like I never bring mm, it up it's yeah. always other people that bring it up so in her in her mind her way of dealing with it is to not talk about it but clearly she does need to figure out a healthy way to deal with it um, but then all all her I don't know if they're her friends or her peers. 
um, and her neighbor, they're always bringing it up, and she gets mad when they do. Like, she gets upset mm. when they bring it up. So clearly they're, they, yeah, they're, they're thinking about point. her on her mind, and they want to help, but they're just not helping in a way that um, what she needs, but she's not communicating what she needs as well. So I think it's like a two-way street, right? Well, and clamping yeah. down on that doesn't help it improve, right? Like, I've never been depressed. I'm very, I feel very fortunate about that. I've never suffered through depression. Uh, but I have had s- sadness and grief in my mm-hmm. life, and it's never been the kind of thing where, oh, that was better because I didn't talk about it. Right. Like, I've never said that about anything. Yeah. These points gave me, like, two sort of brainwaves as they're happening. Woo! I'll try to remember them, but I might forget. Two. Have you watched Jimmy Neutron? One you know what he calls it? It's one, called the brain blast. Shut up. Okay. One is um, <laughs> uh, when you talked about, you know, the stages of grief. You know, there's the five stages. They have the five stages of grief. It's um, denial, anger, mm. bargaining, depression, acceptance yeah. is is the five. And it's listed in that five way. So a lot of people think like it's a linear thing. But, mm. you know, grief is not a linear thing. If you've right. ever gone through something, if you've ever lost someone, if you've ever suffered something that gives you a tremendous amount of grief, it's you would know it's not a linear thing and you go through like things at once and there's times when you feel like you're okay and then all of a sudden you're not you can switch between them and you can yeah you can jump around um so it's not like a it's definitely not a a a scale and she is yeah she's clearly manifesting like the anger and uh that gave me the the second thought i had is like when somebody has gone through it i've heard so many times if someone has a loss in a family or someone has like a breakup or something or they're you know they're just dealing with something traumatic at some point they get to the they get to the stage where it's like i don't want another fucking person to come and say like oh i'm so sorry for you oh i feel so bad for you hey are you okay like at some point it's just like you get overwhelmed by people reaching out and like the best intentions of course Mm -hmm. like wanting to make sure you're okay and absolutely checking in on your friends everyone it's always good to just check in just see how things are going but yeah at some point if everyone is like doing the same thing, you get fed up and you get mad and you're just like, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. So of course she like shuts down. If you know, it was what coming up on seven years since her husband had died. And so she was like, I stopped talking about it. Like I've moved on. She hasn't, but you know, so that I can, I can sort of imagine in the, in the canon of this universe that like five years ago was maybe when, Mm she got to the first point of like, people just keep bringing this up and I just want to put it behind me. And now it's seven years on. Well, yeah. And how many people have come across where they're saying that they won't care or they want to know, but they're just doing it to be polite. Yeah. They know that that's what they're Mm -hmm. supposed to say. It's kind of like the tacit social norm in this situation. Oh, you've lost your husband. How, how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. And and so when, if you're that person and your soul is just screaming out for an authentic authenticity there, it's even worse to have someone care because they have to almost than them not even bring it up in the first place i think i think in her case too it's 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 even harder because like as as we said before her husband dies on the day that sam was born so pretty much like i i I don't know literally annually it's a reminder yeah Mm -hmm. annually and like even every time looking at sam yeah you're you're reminded about like you know, and you have to look at him the all the goddamn times. He never shuts up. Right. Yeah. He's always talking and, he, and he's just like, yeah, we made, we made a bit of fun and we can talk about Sam for a little bit, but like we, we joked that he was annoying. He's loud. We all, we've all worked with, you know, the three of us have all worked with kids where they're just like, they're so attention starved or they're so like they, they, they're, they're needing contact with somebody. And if you're, if your parent, your only parental unit is 
you know, suffering through depression and not there, of course, you're going to be like, mom, 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 look at me. Look, mom, look, 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 look. And we have, you know, we have kids that we've worked with who are just like exactly like that. Like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm doing something like, look at this. And you just, you want to be like supportive, but eventually you're just like, can you just like for five minutes? Sometimes you want to tell them to eat shit, right? (sighs) Don't tell kids to eat shit. Yeah, don't, don't do it. (laughs) Just, you can feel it. Just don't do it. Just don't (laughs) say it. Yeah. Yeah, should we talk about Sam? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm all over the place. I don't know what my... I, I still don't know a line of, of discussing this movie. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Should we talk about Sam? Sure. Little Sam? Little... Samuel. Samuel. First of all, the kid who... Uh, no, I want to say his name was. Um, Noah. You need an arc? I know no, a guy. You get out of my <laughs> face with that. Bullshit. Um, he was, I like that one. I, that was he good. was an amazing uh, actor. We hated him. Noah Wiseman. There it is. Noah Wiseman. We got him. Um, we hated him at the start because he was so annoying. He was like whiny. He was weird. He just like screamed a lot. There was there he was, spoke his mind all the time. He was God, he was, was beyond annoying. He was beyond annoying. He was abrasive. Like he was always yelling mm-hmm. and always causing some sort of mischief for his mom and anyone else around. Yeah, and he was violent because of all of that as well mm-hmm. to his cousin i guess or yeah friend yeah, ruby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ruby yeah. pushed out of i there. did feel a, a bit of sympathy towards him at that scene when you know he's at this birthday party so i think they share a birthday or their birthdays are very similar so every year they the, he and his he was celebrating with ruby yeah right so this this in the movie this particular year ruby wants her own birthday like she wants mm-hmm. her own celebration which is fair like you know if, if you're a kid you, and it's your birthday you want to be the center of attention there's nothing wrong with that i don't think right um but then because of samuel's weirdness and his abrasiveness and just his ability to stir up shit wherever he goes <laughs> shitheadery yeah she doesn't like him anymore which is understandable uh, i think like if there's a kid that's always telling you you know this monster's going to come, and it's going to kill you and your mom. But I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bash its face in. Yeah. I'm going to pull out all its guts. Just a weirdo. Yeah, you, there's like there's weird kids, and we, we've seen them a lot. And you're just like, if you could just like be 20% less weird, kids would like you more. And that's like, you would never say that to a kid. They they, they are <laughs> struggling in their own way. And, you know, obviously Samuel needed an environment where he was going to thrive. And I think we find that at the end of the movie, but... Yeah, at the start, he is not he's not set up for success, we'll say. He is, yeah. he is yeah. clearly very smart. He's very clever. He's very, like, tactile. We see him building his, like, weapons out of, like, scraps of wood. And he's he's clearly got very good, like, knowledge. He's but magical. He, but he, he's very, very magical. He loves, like, that. But he doesn't have, like, good contact clues. I wonder I'm, – I'm not a professional – uh, again, refer to the top of the podcast of three idiots. <laughs> but I wonder if he is, uh, if he would be coded as you know being on the autism spectrum because he like doesn't have good people skills, but he has good like technical skills. He fixates on something. Like I want I, the coding. I think is there, uh, and somebody smarter and wiser and with more you know degrees than I can probably <laughs> answer that question for sure. I'm sure there are papers written about it. Mm-hmm. But like obviously, this kid's not. He's not set up to be successful in the situation where he is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like for the, I would say for a large majority of the first half of the movie, you just feel, you you don't feel anything good or positive about him, right? Um, no. the like I like I said earlier, the only time I really felt bad for him is at that birthday party and Ruby, 
the little girl is like making fun of him for not having a dad yeah just being a cruel like the cruelty of children yeah like like those words cut deep and you know oh yeah and then he pushes her out at the trios and i'm like yes Mm. yes stand up for yourself um but i mean that's just that's just my brain talking well i think that's why it's so cool why it actually ends up being him that pulls his mom back yeah he right like he's the only character in the movie that loves his mom like he's the only one that gives her the kind of like hope for the future that i think is probably super hard in depression right is that like well what is my hope for the future and sam i was actually really impressed with how how calm he became (laughs) yeah as soon as as soon as it third act as soon as it was like you know, when the Babadook, again, when the Babadook was like a mystery and when it was like, maybe you didn't, you saw it, maybe you didn't, maybe it was just a coat on the wall, yeah. there was uncertainty. It seemed like when it was like, oh, I know for sure that the Babadook is possessed my mom. Yeah. All right. Like, it was like a clarity of focus, mm-hmm. like almost like, you know, the expectation was what was causing the hesitation. And now that it was crystal clear in his mind, he was like, I'm in, I got this. I know what to do. I've been training for this my entire life i got my my home alone trap set up uh bring on joe pesci and the (laughs) other guy (laughs) well if we think about it like the if the babadook if we want to say the whole movie the babadook is this like mental health issue that mom is having samuel is the only other character who takes the babadook seriously Mm -hmm. in the whole movie he's Mm -hmm. the only one that says yeah it's real yeah we got to watch out for it and so if we want to take it on as, okay, this is the metaphor that's being handled, he's the only one there to believe in it enough to want to help his mom through it, right? Uh, like yeah. nobody else seems to want to help the mom with the Babadook. Yeah, like it's the police don't, the teacher, like all the institutional people don't care. Well, and she also, like she, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but like, she, okay. she also pushes people away, right? Like, we see her like literally cutting the phone cord so he can't call the neighbor. We see her like yelling at her friends and yelling at her aunt and stuff. So it seems like she is also like, not to say that she wasn't suffering, but like through her grief, she has also pushed every other per- other type of support away from her, mm-hmm. pushed them past the point of like wanting to care about her because they're just like, you exhausted my capacity no. to care for you and sorry. And we see that Samuel is like, he has this. He doesn't well. let her push him away. Yeah, he doesn't. He's, he's more resilient and he's able to. He's annoying to a point it. where he becomes heroic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that part classic of, archetype part of, part of the hero's <laughs> story, part time. of the hero's journey, <laughs> annoying to heroic. But I, I think that's really cool, actually. That that scene when he has her tied up in the basement yep. because she's like full on Babadookin out of every pore at that point, and he's—I can't remember the exact he, he, line. He like touches her face, or something. but he says something like. You, we said we'd love each other forever. We said we'd never leave each other. So I'm not going to leave you now kind mm. of thing, right? Yeah. And so it, it is kind of him that pulls her back into manageable sanity, I guess. And that's so heartbreaking because I believe at that time or right around that time, she is like literally trying to strangle him to death. Mm-hmm. Like she's choking him out and he's like touching her face. And I was just like, oh my gosh this movie is so sad if this is how it goes because we see in the book we Mm. see the babadook through the picture book at first and there's blank pages and then she throws it away and it comes back and has more pages where it shows her like killing their dog killing her son and then killing herself and we see her kill the dog which was very upsetting i did not like that that was very very affecting 
and so you think like, oh, we foreshadowed these other two things. And then she gets like halfway through the second one, which is like killing her own child. And I was like, are we really seeing this right now? <laughs> and then it like, it doesn't go that way. Thank gosh. But yeah. oh, my, oh my, oh my God. Hey, here at Nothing to Fear podcast, we are against animal cruelty and we don't care who knows. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> I'll put my whole reputation on that. What's up with, uh, you know, we just did back to back movies of, you know, people killing dogs. God, yeah, the thing last time. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the thing wasn't a dog. Well, the, the, but it okay. looked like a good dog. He, yeah. The other it dog got axed. Good the good dog got axed too. Okay, irrelevant. No, no, no. You're right. I guess we have a sick fascination with dead dogs. Just the last two episodes. It wasn't like every other one. <laughs> Although there is, a, this was another example of a movie where the house kind of gets fucked up at the end. Uh, yeah, and I guess true. in the thing, it also counts as their house getting fucked up. <laughs> <in a way. laughs> Yeah, it's t- this is the thing. This is horror movie 101. If you yeah. want your house to make it, don't be in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. If you're like, what movie is this? Horror movie? Oh, that goodbye no. house. Oh, boy. Or you, you better get that insurance. Poltergeist? Like, way yeah. We remember what happened in Poltergeist. Yeah, and Carrie. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, though, Billy. That's, um, oh, my gosh. Don't kill Samuel when he's trying to save you, in a mm-hmm. sense, right? I don't know. Like, I liked that he kind of became the only person who believed in her right and and the only one who wouldn't who who understood her enough that she even though she seemed like she was pushing people away she just needed someone to still love her right she needed someone Mm -hmm. to believe in her and love her yeah because that's the only way she would feel strong enough to make the babadook leave her yeah and then trap it in the basement (laughs) well you know they got a pet they had to get a new pet (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> this movie was intense. I'm definitely... This is a movie I, I'm going to turn over a lot, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be rolling around in my brain for quite a little while. What else about Sam? I did like that I finally saw the... I have a context for the meme now where she's, like, screaming at him, why can't you be normal? And it's got the captions on it, and then it just cuts to him in the car, and it, the word just says screams. And I've seen that for, like... <laughs> so many so many just different memes of, <laughs> yeah and uh i love yeah. memes i'll say it i'll, yeah. I'll stick my reputation on that as well <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i don't know i think he was it was a good arc for him because it great arc for because him. it's i call it the jesse pinkman arc mm, yeah i yeah, fucking yeah. hate that guy and then at the end he's kind of the hero <laughs> and the tragic hero <laughs> yeah it's funny though for me yeah, like I agree with that. Like he was annoying, we didn't like him, and then he becomes a hero because, you know, obviously he saved his mom. But I don't feel like his character itself changed. You know, he believed in monsters at the very start. Yeah, he still believes in monsters at the very end. Yeah, right. Like there, I, I didn't feel like there was a shift in him that made me change my perspective of him. It was a shift in the mom that made me change my perspective of him. I wonder if that's maybe a deeper, again, a deeper metaphor of like the kid just has these issues and they're not going to go away if because you ignore them or you like yell at him and the, you can manage them if you support and nurture the kid he, in the way and you're they the need adult you're the adult in the situation he, you need to be the one to change your perspective yeah yeah because yeah. the kid doesn't have the, the but tools he was, to do it he definitely talked a lot less in the second well yeah he was terrified Bubba yeah, Duck was about to also murk he him. was drugged out true that could be yeah that's probably it <laughs> there's the lesson if your kids piss you off sedate them no no that is not the lesson we are not we at nothing to fear my favorite podcast, part is we're not stand for that yeah yeah nothing to fear we say don't drug your kids and we don't care who knows 
you know what my favorite part was uh when when the social workers came in the first time and he's like they're like you look tired sam it's like yeah i'm tired because of all the drugs mommy gave me <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like and she's like it was just it was just a, a tranquilizer yeah yeah the doc yeah there's no tact in sam no yeah and that's the thing like, he just says no what he kids like they, yeah. they'll say what they're thinking of and it'll come out out of context and be mm. weird and it's yeah it's wild so that's kind of mom and sam i don't know how well we covered it sorry everyone uh we rambled though but like i think we should talk about the titular character a little bit i think we should talk about mr babadook um, <laughs> it was you knew he was a classy guy because he went by Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R, not oh, yeah. M-R, period. Yeah, he's not wasting any time. He's like, no, no, Mr. is my first name. Which <laughs> has a top hat. Esquire top Mr. Hat. Babadook III. Yeah. He's got a top hat. He's got a fancy cape. He's like... Apparently he plays violin. Having a having a great great time. He goes to the same esthetician as a lipstick face demon <laughs> lipstick face demon yeah we just he's also got really long nails and and now i just headcanon them to just having a nail day just yeah. like totally do you want to try out my like grinder to file your nails so, so my question is was the babadook made up specifically for this movie or has it always has it been like a childhood like like a like a nursery rhyme from some cultures i think it was well, unique for this movie okay because that, um, that's a good that, that that's a good unique scary character yeah new character new freaky character based off um, of, you know a little children's book mm-hmm. but i want i want to hear your your more of your thoughts uh luke about like how the babadook is a metaphor for depression and grief and unresolved well i, trauma thought, and stuff. I thought it looked great like i thought the character but the thing is we don't see it barely at all like mm-hmm. the only time we actually see its face is on the TV when it's yep. like, and and then that one scene where she kind of glances and sees it in her neighbor's house. Yeah. So like we only see the face either through a, a screen or like far away because all the scenes where Isn't it's- Isn't a window a screen too? Well, yeah. through the window, but the window is open. So. <laughs> the eyes are a window to the screen soul. Oh my God. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. So does that mean Amelia was the motherboard? <laughs> anyway, so- it looked cool. I just was kind of surprised at how little we saw of it, I yeah. guess, in general, which I think maybe is part of the metaphor of like it sneaks up on you. Like you don't, I, again, I have no firsthand experience of this, but of people I've talked to who either have been depressed or who know of depression or have it with people in their lives, one of the things I hear is that you can be totally fine one second and then it just like that snap of your fingers and it's just like absorbs your entire being mm-hmm. so it's almost categorical in that sense right and i i wonder if that's part of why they kind of showed how the babadook move in this kind of irregular way it didn't move it didn't like if it walked it glided along the ground mm-hmm. and it kind of like the, the that filming technique where it shows things move really fast while everything around it's like it's like fast motion but everything around it stays in normal speed and it's like so, the jump cuts, right? Yeah, yeah, those jump cuts. So it's like I, I, I kind of liked that part of it where it's like it just it's not there and then it's totally there. Yeah. At the same moment. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, it was a cool character. It's a cool monster. It didn't really scare me. I, I can't say I was particularly scared. There were it was tense. There were tense moments, but it never reached the point of horror for me. In this I w- movie. yeah, I wasn't scared of 
the Babadook per se, mm. but I was scared for what the mom was doing. I was scared for her mental journey and her <laughs> sure. mental her mental wildness. But yeah, uh, what about you? How you you like that he's Mister Babadook? What yeah. else did you like about him? Um, Alex? I think one of the really smart things that happened in this movie from what the filmmakers did was make his make Mr. Babadook's like motives and uh, intentions very clear from the start. Right. Mm. As they're reading the book. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it lists out exactly what he's going to do, what you shouldn't do and why it's coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, already what the monster is, you know what it's going to do and all that. And it's, it's very like, but then because of like the kind of psychological th- stuff that's happening in the movie you don't know if it's for real or not but and then when she burns the book and the burn book comes back and you're you're reading through, she's reading through it again and you as the audience you're reading through the book with her you, you you learn more about the motives and like so kind of like at the very start of the movie you already know what this monster wants and what mm-hmm. it's gonna do mm. and i thought that was such a cool way of introducing like the the antagonist of the, the movie right yeah yeah because like a lot of a lot of the other horror movies that we see, we you, like you're like, well, I don't really know what this monster wants. I don't I don't know what it like, wh- why it's doing all this stuff. But mm-hmm. just based off of reading the book, you know. You know, even talking about yeah. this has made me think a little bit about that first line in the book, where if it's uh, was it if it's, it's in a word if it's in a word if it's in a look you can't hide from the Babadook, and taking on this metaphor of depression, it's everywhere. It's it's it's. You know, Amelia sees it in the things people say, right? Mm-hmm. She mm. sees it in the way people look at her and the way people look at Sam. People look at her with pity or very, whatever. very thinly veiled disgust because of her son. Yeah. And then she looks at her son, which reminds her of her husband who's dead, and she's sad again. So it's like almost everything she hears and almost everything she sees, at least in the movie, is her not getting rid of the her Babadook. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the point of that line in in this, at least in this reading right. of, of how we're interpreting. Yeah. It'd be yeah. funny if like Jennifer Kent, the writer of the movie, is like, you, guys, you totally missed the goddamn yeah, mark so on this. Babadook is a total we, monster. If, that, if right? this is all wrong, we were right about one thing. What? Three idiots. Yes. Three idiots. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm it, sure we're not wrong, though. This is like... It'd be pretty hard for this not to be what it's about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, like I, like I teased at the top of the episode, I actually did research on this and it's because I know that a few years ago there's a meme going around that the Babadook was like a queer icon. And I was mm. kind of like, why is that? <laughs> it's, you know, this, this like, it's not immediately obvious. It's not super obvious. And then I did, is I it did, the nails or the hat? <laughs> so I did some research and I found an article on Rolling Stone. So oh. like pretty good. Um, I'm going to credit the uh, reporter. E. Young is what it's credited as. Mm. Um, And, you know, and I'm going to link this article, I think, when I have show notes going on in the show notes. So if you want to read the whole thing, you should absolutely do it. But (laughs) again, when they hear it, the show notes will be there. (laughs) The show notes will be there. It's going to happen. You can click on them right now as you're listening to this. But yeah, so the Babadook, why is the Babadook a queer icon? And the... um, the article is called Why Why Babadook is the Perfect Symbol for Gay Pride. Mm. Um, it began as a joke, but the horror movie villain is just what this year's LGBTQ Pride festiv- festivities needed. So this is from 2017, Rolling Stone. Uh, I'm going to read it directly off the, off the webpage here. 
So Babadook didn't have any strong ties to the LGBTQ community until 2016, thanks to some humorous discussion on Tumblr around a potentially edited image that shows the movie listed in the LGBT category on Netflix. Uh, so that's where it started. People what? saw like it was. What does listed, that mean? It was like so on Netflix. If you LGBT, looked up LGBT movies, okay. right. Babadook came up, ah. and people were like, "This isn't like a a gay." Movie. Was that on purpose? Like, was they intended to be there? So I didn't. I haven't found any. I didn't. I didn't dive okay, into right. the Tumblr stuff. But the, from from context, what I'm understanding, if I'm wrong, someone can please absolutely <laughs> correct me. I would love to know the reason. But it looks like there was a post that went on Tumblr has a screenshot of LGBT movies, and it has a movie called GBF, uh, which I think is Gay Best Friend, then uh, The Babadook, and then a couple of movies, other people, Room 237, The Way He Looks, and 10-Year Plan. Uh, so I guess these are all queer movies. I'm a bad queer. I haven't watched any of these movies. Um, You've watched The Babadook. I, yes, I watched The Babadook. Okay, so anyway. Is this an LGBT movie? Uh, so it says the Babadook's look was. I'm continuing with the article. Mm. The Babadook's look was already pretty campy: a pale, androgynous humanoid with a flamboyant top hat, a black cloak, maniacal smile, and splayed jazz hands. So it didn't take. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't take long before playful images of the Babadook holding rainbow flags or decked out in colorful clothes right, spread across right. the internet. Okay, that's awesome. So and then it then it talks about. Babadook's queerness begins with its gradual disruption. First pesky, then insufferable, then terrifying, then catastrophic of Amelia's domestic space and her family unit. So they, the, the article goes on to talk about how, you know, the Bab- Babadook is the embodiment of her grief and denial. And she's shown throughout the movie suppressing her own depression in front of friends and families. Um, and the denial is what makes her a prime vessel for Babadook's influence. This kind of makes it sound like you know, being queer is something to like be sad and shameful about, but and then really violent. But then they talk about, um, <laughs> they talk about how, you know, the Babadook represents queerness itself, an invisible threat made real through denial and oppression. Queerness is often cast away into small corners of society, but never completely destroyed, often coming back bigger and stronger and more visible, uh, and more of a perceived threat to heteronormative society. So the, the Babadook can kind of be seen as like an attack on the heteronormative values of like, a family, which is all bullshit because you can be queer and you can love people and you can just <laughs> love who you love and everyone's fine. But I like the idea of like her repressing yeah. it mm-hmm. comes out in a lot. And as a person who spent a lot of time in the closet before I came out, I, I that really that really spoke to me sure. on a super personal level. And yeah, there's definitely a parallel there with her. Yeah, and the right? things she's repressing. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So whether it's um you know the Babadook is a queer icon. Sure. Um, <laughs> I love the origin of this story. I just though. love it. Yeah, just like whether it was on purpose algorithm. or a mistake. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I just want to quote one more thing from the article, then we can go off of it. It says Amelia tries to destroy the book, but the damage has already been done. The threat is in her home. Similarly, schools in the states have been reportedly prohibiting students from as- accessing LGBTQ literature or searching for resources on the internet as if simply viewing material will conjure the threat of homosexuality into reality when it already exists. Right. Um, right. So, so yeah, it's kind of a dunk on, um, you know, dunk on heteronormative people being afraid that like, if you hear the word gay, you turn gay. And if you just, you know, I guess I, so this article I read before I watched it, and then it kind of falls down because it seems to be like, well, she just keeps it locked away in the basement and everything's <laughs> fine, which is not the way to deal with queerness. You know, just well, yeah, away. no, I think. Um, I, 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 <laughs> but I, I think we can read that as like she accepts it. Well, but I, the, the big difference is that 
I don't like grief and depression aren't exactly like things exaltative of your soul that you want that's, to show to the world. That's true. Yeah. Whereas if you are gay, eventually, hopefully, that would be something that would be liberating to show to the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. In, in a way that. I'm not, I don't know. It's, I don't even know the exact language around like, well, what do you want the world to know about your depression kind of thing? Like, mm-hmm. how would you even want to? So there's a there's a parallel, I think, in her repressing her need for other people and herself to be more honest about what's going on in her life. There's an obvious parallel there. And, you know, as someone struggling with their own sexuality and that kind of thing. I think the ending, though, because the things that are being repressed kind of, are very different on the spectrum of like what we would want to celebrate yeah, in a person. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think when you talk about depression though, like not necessarily celebrating depression, but the stigma around like even admitting to someone that you're depressed, like yeah. it's still such a thing in society and it's starting to change. I'm really glad it's starting to change. People are open and I've been open on this podcast about like, I see a therapist. I mm-hmm. love therapy. Everyone should go to therapy <laughs> if you can. And the, the fact that like for so long, you know, you, if you were depressed, it was something you had to take care of, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I, if you saw a therapist, you didn't want to tell other people. And now, you know, not accessing it, not being able to talk about it, like tends to drive it into these depressive dark corners where it can lash out and, and manifest in other horrible ways. And then kill your dog. Not (laughs) necessarily killing your dog, but myriad other ways, like struggles with drugs and alcohol, relationship problems, whatever, being able to talk about it. Affecting your work. Yeah, affecting your work, like, you know, being late, losing mm. your sleep. Like, if you don't talk about your problems, then, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get better. And I guess, you know, this is my roundabout way of saying, again, like, talk about your problems. Like, you yeah. know, check in on your friends. If you're struggling, tell your friends. Be like, hey, you know what? I'm actually really struggling. I don't know how to get help, but can can you help me? And I think that's, you know, super valuable just for everyone. This is, I guess, turning into just a PSA now on... <laughs> getting help. And you know, I'm also going to include some links into like resources. <laughs> if you need, if you need someone to talk to, there's lots, do some research. Well, well I'm going to put some links in mm. because I think depression is super important to Send us an email. confront super um, important to talk to a qualified person. You, you can't use your family <laughs> as your ersatz therapist. You can't use your friends necessarily. Uh, they're <laughs> not trained. Yeah. So like rely on them, but also don't be ashamed to go get help. Yeah. Again, yay therapy. I have therapy this week. It's going to kick ass. Uh, yeah, well, this is a good kind of, I guess, segue into interpreting the end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. I, I, given this depression slash grief metaphor that has been my operating system, even while I was watching it, that's what I was thinking about the movie, is that I'm seeing the end of the movie of her keeping the Babadook in the basement. I'm not quite sure about what the feeding it worms is. Maybe one of you will have a thought on that. But I see it as... Um, her being able to acknowledge her depression and grief, yes. but without it being, she she's in control of it instead of it being in control of her. Yeah, in a sense, like no, you go live in the basement. I will go see you on my terms when I want to, mm. and then when that happens, I'm the boss and you're not. But I know you're always going to be there, and it would yes. be foolish of me to repress it to pretend you're not. So we're going to do it on my terms in my way. And that's how I'm going to prevent it from from you, Babadook, sneaking up on me again when I'm not looking and terrorizing my son. Yeah, I 
I agree. Like that's that's so insightful because mm. I, I you know I've seen a lot of people who do who do suffer from depression and who talk about depression say exactly that. Like it doesn't go away. You know your anxiety, your stress, right. your depression doesn't go away, but you can manage it, and you can manage it with meds. And there's no problem. Nothing wrong with taking meds if you can't supply your own endorphins. Like store bought is totally fine. Yeah. And. Yeah, like she's she's in, in, engaging with her depression on her terms, mm-hmm. and it's giving her the power to live like a normal, happy life. And I think you know the worms; they might just be code for like these are her meds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe meds. You know, or the Babadook's favorite food is worms, mm-hmm. and he just wanted worms the whole time, and <laughs> she, he just didn't know how to ask. And this is actually a horror movie for earthworms. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what about you, Alex? What do you think about all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, with the ending, like, I think Luke said it, everything that I I feel and, like, even reinforces it. The only thing I would kind of add on is she's not, compared to the first bit of the movie where she's denying it and telling Samuel, you know, Babadook, it's not real, it's not real, it's not real, Mm. and kind of denying its existence. It's like, yeah, it is there. It is something. Yeah, can I see it when you're older? Which... That oh, that just sparks Whoa. something like your parents don't tell you <laughs> what their problems are until they you get older and yeah. then you know a couple wines in and your mom tells you all the, all the stories of like her adolescence and her, her university yeah, years. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh geez, yeah, yeah. There should be a word for that moment in life when you realize that your parents' life didn't start when yours did. Right. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? You've just been mom. <laughs> I thought you were the youngest you ever were was twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> So, the universe started with me, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just acknowledging that thing inside of you that's going to yeah. be there anyway and getting to be in charge of it because it's like a mistake to think you're going to eradicate it. Yeah, you right? can't get rid of it. It yeah. says it so many times, you can't get rid of the Babadook. So mm-hmm. if, if we, and now the more we talk about it, it's, it's very clear that the Babadook equals depression, equals mental health, and mm-hmm. it doesn't go away because you ignore it. Yeah. And it gets worse because you ignore it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not out of ideas, but they're all so tangled. I don't know if I can keep mm-hmm. bringing it in and talking about it. So uh, unless you have any last sort of pins to put in this pin cushion, uh, I think I think we can probably move on uh, mm-hmm. and close the door on Babadook. Uh, any, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, on the movie? On the movie, on the show, before we rate it not as scary as i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. but more intelligent than most horror movies are okay yeah I like that it's a real thinker for sure and such a thing i think uh what i said at the very start holds to true like lots of questions to be asked between the three of us and i definitely i feel like i've understood the movie more after talking about it with the two of you yeah i think one thing that I would love to see is to see if they sell an actual Babadook book, Mr. Babadook. I would love to buy a couple copies, just spread them around, you know, You're a put, troll. A, put, a, put them in the neighborhood, like uh, those little free libraries, you know, and <laughs> in the free library. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll see, we'll see some traumatized families, right? You're a monster. Okay. Um, I'm a Babadook. Alex Babadook Wan. Uh, Alex Babadook Wan. Here he is. Yeah. All right, well, Mr. Babadook, why don't you start us off with the ratings then out of five um, Babadook pop-up books you left in free libraries. <laughs> out of how many do you give? Um, I would probably give Babadook... Uh, I'm like in between a three and a half and a four. 
Okay. Like, I think it was a really good movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it definitely wasn't as scary as the, like, as I thought it would be. Um, but it's, uh, I think because of the deep messaging that it has and how relatable it is to everybody and, Mm -hmm. um, the, like the kind of lessons that it brings up, I think, I think I would give it a four. Okay. Yeah. Four. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm choosing me to go next. I, it's okay. I was scared. I was scared during this movie. I was really scared for what I thought could happen. Not necessarily what was happening, although there were some points that were really scary, but I was like, because we got the foreshadowing of the book of her killing the three things and we got the first one, I was primed to be like, oh no, I have to see these two horrible things. Ah. And so that, like that tension just wrapped me up. And I was still like, even to the very end of the movie, I was like, there's going to be another part where she's like <laughs> scary and kills everyone. And, and it, we just thought it was normal, mm. but it didn't. So I think, yeah, I think I'm on the lower end for this one. I think I'm just around like between a, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm a solid three on this one. Actually, mm. I'm a solid three out of five. Definitely worth a look, worth a book, worth a Babadook. Um, <laughs> Luke, how many <laughs> copies of the Babadook uh, do you give this? Yeah, out of five? like I guess we haven't really talked much about this as a film. Yeah, well, we did a bit, a, a so. little bit, but yeah, it, it's definitely a more kind of moody thematic movie. The lead, the two leads were incredible, really good. The monster was cool, um, although I would have preferred it to be in the movie more. But given the metaphorical do, nature of, sorry, it, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop you. Do you think that? Had we seen him more, it would have suffered the the sort of fate of the lipstick face demon, where it's scary until you see it. I don't know, man. I guess we don't know. I guess we, yeah, it's like an experiment that didn't get to run. Yeah, I'm it not sure. I, I feel like he was a less goofy villain ultimately than lipstick face demon. There also yeah. weren't being... a lot of I, there weren't a lot, if any, jump scares in this movie. No, no, it was no. all like we knew tension. something was going to happen, right? Like it was yeah. tension. Uh, the house sounded cool and scary. Yep. I was kind of disappointed at basically every other character other than maybe the neighbor, but everybody else in the movie felt like a caricature almost. Like, Absolutely. I, it's just like, yeah. right, oh, the doctor. here's your lot. Here's your role. Mm, you put too much life in that. Can you wooden it up a bit, please? <laughs> right? Listen, we don't need you stealing the scene. Get like, out there, of here. It was just like every character fit into a perfect stereotype of what it, the movie needed. And it's like, yeah. it made the point for Amelia and, and our viewing with her, but it just didn't seem realistic. Like, I don't think everyone would be that cold or detached or I don't know, but maybe, but I just, I was, that kind of drew me out of my suspension of disbelief a little yeah. bit. And we've seen that a lot in horror movies. Yeah. The the characters often act as just like, you are a line machine, say your line machine so we can get to the scary stuff. Yeah. But anyway, we, we could talk about this for hours, but we'll just go around in circles. I think, what, uh, what's your rating? I'll give it 3.5. 3.5 so kind of yeah kind of a good smattering would either of you watch this movie again like if it came up where you're like oh I don't know who wants to watch the babadook um yeah i would watch <laughs> this again sweet i um i would watch it. i might but not anytime soon i feel like i wasn't surprised i don't know i just i feel like it would be the same if i yeah. watched it again so probably not Anytime soon. I mean, I might watch it again with someone who's never seen it before, mm -hmm. like several years in the future, but not till then, probably. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm same. I don't think I would. 
I would watch this one again. Like I'm not, I'm not going to miss out. I, I I've seen it. I have context for the memes and the jokes that are three <laughs> years old at this point. So great that yeah. like little knowledge loop is closed off, but I have no, I have no like strong desire to watch this again. If somebody was like, I really want to watch it. I've never seen it. Then I'd watch it with them. But right. It's not the point where I, I wouldn't ever watch it again, but I just wouldn't choose to watch it again. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's so, the yeah. Babadook. That's what we thought about it. Uh, <laughs> let's let's close off with our ending section mm. of the podcast. Something to cheer with nothing to fear. Who's got a who's got a cheer for today? I'll go. Some, yeah. All right. Uh, so the last week I've been watching The Last Dance. So the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, man first of all i love basketball second of all michael jordan is such a cool sports character you know Mm. the best of the best and how it kind of this documentary like talks about his personal life and it flips between the two timelines of like you know the 90 like the final six run for the championship and like everything before that really well done good story even if you don't like sports you should watch it because michael jordan is Mm. a cool character What's a defining feature of his personality that really comes out in the documentary? Um, I think just, like, I I, kind of knew this before watching it, but for people that don't really follow sports or don't know anything about Michael Jordan, I think the thing that you're going to be maybe surprised by is how much, how crazy he is. He's actually, like, he's crazy. Like, he's crazy in the fact of his craziness is what makes him the greatest. Okay. And you kind of find that out, like um, what drives his competitive nature mm. and the things that he does to drive that competitiveness of him. And yeah. Cool. I would say mine is knowing that I will be back in the clubs <laughs> for the yes, summer. Yes, job switch happening for you. Yeah, I'm back. It'll be Something virtual exciting. programming, but that's okay. Uh, for our listeners, uh, he is not talking about nightclubs or strip clubs. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> children's no. children's clubs name redacted we don't we don't need to put it yeah the the back to my original program for which i am excited to be at and yeah i'll leave it there sweet yeah at the at the time of recording this i just got back from a week up at a little cabin house thing in um, sort of north of the city which was really nice just to to get away from everything for a little while and recharge and and do some you know learning and some uh some manual labor and it was just nice to be out in nature and uh yeah that was really really good for my soul i think so i'm going to cheer the fact that i was able to and like i'm fortunate enough to have access to a place where i can go and just spend a couple days and uh have some good food and and chill out, have some campfires. Baba Great Duke stuff. definitely wouldn't follow you all the way up there, huh? Nah, he's not traveling. <laughs> Baba Duke doesn't have a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Nothing to Fear, and we will see you next week. Woo! Bye, everyone. See ya. Adios. Nothing to Fear is hosted by Billy Schultz with Luke Mason and Alex Wan. Our logo was designed by Katie Rogers. Check out her work at put underscore that down on Instagram. Our theme song was composed by our very own Alex Vaughn. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nothing to Fear Podcast, or feel free to send us an email at Nothing to Fear Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded your podcast uh, to help us move up the charts. It really makes it visible for a new podcast to get up there, and we appreciate it a lot. 
Thank you again for listening. And remember, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. <laughs>